1: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. The Windy City Cubs podcast. I am back from a little vacation. Appreciate your patience on the podcast. We've got a White Sox pod coming for you later in the week. The Cubs ending a 13-game home losing streak last night. Rafael Ortega walking it off as the Cubs come back to get the Rockies. And yes, every win feels like a loss. Lose out, get the best draft pick. That's what I would like to see for the Cubs the rest of the way. And then after the season, I'd like to see Tom Ricketts get in front of a microphone and say we are reducing tickets for 2021 because we love you, Cub fans, and we appreciate your loyalty. And we know, judging by the secondary market, that our tickets have been overpriced all season long, even when we were playing well. And now we are straight stealing from you late in the season with the ticket prices about, I don't know, 25% of what uh, they are actually worth on StubHub and other secondary marketplaces. So, Tom, it's time. Take care of your fans. You can do it. The Ricketts family will survive. Cub fans will like you for it. It'll be a win down the way. Do it. Bite the bullet. It's right there for you. All right. On the field, it's tough right now. We all know this. And I'm watching our other Cubs Anthony Rizzo in a great situation right now with the Yankees playing great baseball, winning eight in a row. Javi out, but now back, and can he get hot? And the Mets need a lot of help right now, but uh, Javi flashed with that first home run, but then went into a major slide, then went on the injured list, and now back uh, and producing, but uh, the Mets with some serious work to do, and Chris Bryant and the Giants just rolling on. We are going to see KB definitely Uh, in the playoffs, and I'll be rooting for him, I absolutely 1000% will be rooting for him, I'll also be rooting for you to go to manscaped.com, that's right, and get yourself what you need in life, which of course is the performance package 4.0, man, being on vacation, I missed talking to you about Manscaped and they're 20% off and free shipping when you put in the code FANSIDED20 and the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, which let me be honest, I could use a little weed whacking in the ear right now and Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant. You can always use a little extra rub of that if you will. Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, wore those on vacation and now they're fresh and ready to go when i bust them out again and the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer that's right keep yourself trimmed and ready to go down low manscaped.com 20 percent off and free shipping if you want to support this podcast nothing you can do better than going to manscaped and putting in that promo code fan sided 20. jordan burnfield and brian Beto is coming right up as uh yes The Cubs are still playing baseball, but more importantly, Beto and Burnfield are here to get you through it, hopefully entertain you. The Windy City Cubs podcast starts right now. Showtime. Here's my beef. August 9th, Cubs-Brewers, Monday night game, rained out. What do the Cubs do? They reschedule the Monday night game to be a part of a Tuesday split doubleheader. So if you had tickets for Monday night, now your tickets are good for the Tuesday day game. And they did the same thing, by the way, with the split doubleheader that's coming up September the 24th with the Cardinals. It was rained out in July, and instead of making it a straight doubleheader, they went split doubleheader. So now the ticket that you bought in July is good for a Friday day game in September when the Cubs are 17,000 games up the track and the Cubs do tier pricing. So a game in July is worth more than a game in September, certainly a day game in September, even on Friday. So it is a straight ripping off of their fans. And so what I would like to hear from Tom Ricketts, aside from the fact that these two examples are just more taking advantage of the fan base This is what I want to hear. Hey, we realize that this season did not go the way many Cubs fans want. It's not the way that we wanted it to go. And we also know that we are undertaking what we're not calling a rebuild, but certainly a major, major revamp of our lineup. And we're hoping that it hits as quick as possible, even as soon as this year. We're not planning a major rebuild, but we also know that, It might take a little bit of time. So with that in mind, to all our loyal fans who stuck through us uh, through all the years and through COVID, I am announcing that ticket prices next year will be reduced by 20% across the board, and in some cases, perhaps even higher. And we're doing this as an appreciation to our fans. Period, end of story. And by the way, he doesn't have to say this. We also see that on the secondary market, our tickets are nowhere close to worth where we price them at. So I have no idea why anybody would come to the box office to buy a single-game ticket or season tickets when it's over abundantly clear, and we know this, that our tickets are massively overpriced. So we want to do right by our fans, and that's what we're doing. That's the only thing that I would like to hear from Tom Ricketts at this point, and I, and I don't think they'll do it, but I do think it is incumbent on them to pay attention to what the marketplace is saying and take care of the fans, the greatest Chicago Cub fans of all time who have flocked to Wrigley field for years and years and years and years. Anybody have a problem with this or even think it's remotely possible?
2: I mean, I don't think that you're going to get your wish with regard to that. I don't see Tom Ricketts coming out and saying any of those things. What I would like to hear from Tom Ricketts, which was your original question is, what is the timeline we're working with here? Because I think all the things that you just talked about are related to the timeline for which they will be a competitive team again. But he if doesn't you're telling know me, me, he has but no I've, idea. Well, but that's, that's part of the issue, right? I think when they rebuilt with Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer the first time, one thing that I think we all gave them credit for and rightfully so was they were really transparent about it. They knew exactly what they were going to do. They told you it was going to take five years. So the fan base was primed for them to stink for a long time. And it was primed to have expectations after about five years for them to be good and compete for a World Series. I think now I heard Jed say, I think it was on Cap Show on ESPN 1000, that they're not exactly sure what direction they're taking because they don't know what the collective bargaining agreement is going to look like, which while I think is a valid point, is sort of dodging the question too, right? So I think that the only thing that I really want to hear from Tom is, what is the timeline for competitiveness? And when you get competitive again, are you going to be willing to spend to win the World Series again, as if you had not won? Because the last time they were spending to give everyone the one thing we all wanted to see. Now we've seen it. So I think the question is valid to ask, are you going to be willing to empty the checkbook again to make them a winner?
3: Yeah. I mean, I look at that second point just about, will they be willing to spend? I agree. I not to defend like jet about being murky about the timeline, but I do think a lot of it, not only is the CBA, but like, are there going to be guys worthwhile that they can sign that make them competitive? And how much do those guys sort of not put them over the top, but get that back into a competitive balance without overpaying. So I think they just have to weigh each situation as the off season comes because it's a good free aging class, but to the point about the tickets, like, Hey, it's not going to happen, but be like, if, if I don't mind, and I'm sure a lot of people wouldn't mind paying the same prices moving forward, if it meant it was being spent on the baseball field, right? Like, I don't think anyone would care as much. I don't know how much money that equates to, but if you're like, tickets are going to stay flat, but Jordan, your point, we're going to spend money back on the product, the field. I don't think people would mind as much, right? As opposed to if that extra money or that flat rate is just going to more Hall of Fame stuff or whatever the other DraftKings sports or like any of that other stuff. I think it all just depends. Or extending Frank Schwindel, uh,
1: right? Things. Right. That that, would, that 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 is the key. I mean, the whole timeline thing. Like, I, I get, I get the point here, but they they don't know, and I also right. But they they could they
2: don't know, but they could at least prepare the fan base. Like I thought they did such an incredibly good job in the first rebuild with Theo and Jed of setting expectations of calming the fan base down and saying, listen, in 2012, in 2013, and in 2014, in all likelihood, we are going to absolutely suck and we're going to try to suck so that we can get the draft capital to get the Chris Bryants and the Kyle Schwarbers and all this stuff. I think they did a good job of that. I'm not saying they necessarily know, and I think it's valid to say that they don't know how many years it's going to take, but there's a difference between saying, listen, this offseason, we're going to be looking to sign free agents or saying this off season, we have no, I We have absolutely no thought about signing anyone because we're trying to bottom out and get two top five picks in a row. Right. There's and a difference it, in that.
1: Right. And I think it's very clear that they are going to do the former, which is try and be aggressive on guys that they think could impact immediately. A la Carlos Correa, who would be sweet, but I don't think they're learning from what they actually did. You guys, and, and I understand that the, whatever the Red Sox and the Yankees and the Cardinals, they're always consistently, a, a you know, a, a viable baseball team headed to the playoffs, but that's not the point you're trying to win the world series. And it took you 108 years, at least partly, I mean, mainly it was incompetence, like letting Greg Maddox go after he won a Cy Young award because you're just the worst organization of all time. But you also did incredibly stupid shit like trading for Juan Pierre. Who'd they give up in that deal? Oh, yeah, Dontrell Willis, because you're trying to piecemeal a team together that will hopefully trade, make Matt Garza.
3: No, 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 no. no. Juan Pierre was like Ricky Nolasco. We got oh, Dontrell yeah. Willis was the, was because um, he was on the 03 Marlins team. We That's got right. Juan Pierre in 06. It was not a good trade in what we traded Dontrell Willis for, but it was yeah. like oh one or it might have been Alfonseca. If I'm being honest. oh god. I, I, we, gotta, I, we gotta fact check that. Yeah, it's not uh, Juan Pierre though. Okay, All right, well right. continue on your false trades.
1: Well, yeah. Continue. Well
3: <laughs> <laughs> we <laughs> traded Greg Maddox.
1: Hang on. <laughs> hang on. I I want to get it George Jordan right. for Ernie Broglio. Cubs trade.
3: Broglio for Maddox. Don Light up the lines. <laughs> Was it Alfonseca or was it Julian Tavares? Was it Matt Clement? Pierre Don't was you. in Alaska. Rinal Pinto. It was a bad trade. You're right. I mean, you're right. It wasn't a yeah. good trade. He did lead the National League in hits though.
2: Yeah. Who yeah. was
1: it? The Dontrell Willis trade was in 2002 along with Julian Tavares. Tavares. Yes. Jose oh. Cueto and Ryan Jorgensen to the Marlins in exchange for, as you were right here, Beto Antonio Alfonseca and Matt Clement. Uh, and yes, like Clement was a good pitcher that in O three. <laughs> in O three,
2: also, can we agree that acquiring Antonio Alfonseca was a good trade, if only Six for fingers. the purpose of the fact that Ron Santo once referred to him as Al Fonseca on the air?
3: Al, like his first name being yes. Al, last name Fonseca.
2: <laughs> yes, like I don't even care what he did on the field. The fact that Ron Santo thought his name was Al Fonseca makes the trade a win.
1: That's true. Right. And Ron Santo, we miss you forever and always. December fifth, two thousand. I'm here with the, Al
2: Fonseca, Al.
1: The, the Marlins traded Juan Pierre to the Cubs for Sergio Mitre, Mitre. Ricky Nolasco, and Raniel yeah. Pinto.
2: That was right.
3: I got two out of three.
1: Okay, right. That
3: was very well done, people.
1: And Nolasco was good for a minute at least, which was better In than Nolasco w- was good.
3: Good pitcher. Yeah, yeah. Lampierre was yeah. only there for one year.
1: Right. So, but yeah. the, the point, we get the point. I get point. what you're saying. I just the, had the I had the fact check it, I'm the, sorry. No, no, I appreciate it, and I deserved it and needed it, and <laughs> now we are accurate here on the Windy City Cubs podcast, which feels oh so much better. But my point is this, you guys were unwilling, the Cubs, for forever to, quote unquote, go to the bottom and build it the right way. And it was always like, the fan base will never stand for it. Of course the fan base will stand for it. That's all we do. We expect them to lose. It, it finally felt like, okay, you guys are picking a direction. You went out and got the best guy in Theo to do it. And yes, I am on board. And I don't care if you suck for another couple of years, just do it right. And they did. Now you're saying that you want to be competitive next year when you're running out absolute dreck that's lost 13 straight games at Wrigley field. And all of a sudden you're going to miraculously put it together back next year. It doesn't make any sense. Well, build it the right way. Build it the right way. Well,
3: Jed has Jed has said that you can't do that anymore just based on not only the CBA, but also because every other team is trying that and it's impossible to tank to a point. The Orioles have lost 18 in a row, which is one of the most impressive streaks I've ever seen. But I also, also add to that the newer, look at, ahead. you talked about the Red Sox being like perennially good. They're not the Red Sox with Bobby Valentine. What, how many games in 2012, like 60 something, and then won the world series the next year sucked again for a couple of years. And then we're right back on the horse in 2018 and won again, they also had a different roster in 07 when they won from 04. Like there's just different ways. And the Cubs are in a division that quite frankly is terrible. So if they do it right, I just don't think you have to fully bottom out. To Again, I'm playing devil's advocate here. I get it. But I think there's a way to do a little bit of both. So I also certain. think, to
2: Beto's point, and Beto, I think, is making a great point, is that the whole building it the right way was a good buzz term when the Cubs were terrible forever, and the Cubs needed to sell what they were doing to the fan base. But what does that really mean, right? It means that making you make investments – that are smart, both for the present and the future. And it means drafting and developing well, right? That's what building the right way means. So if we look at it really from that perspective, then it's not crazy for Jed to suggest, as you just mentioned, Carm, like signing Carlos Correa could be both a positive for the present and the future because he's young and good. So building the wrong way in The former way of thinking was when the Cubs would sign 32 year old free agents that had short shelf lives who were going to suck by the end of the contract and they were never going to have a winning window. That's what doing it the wrong. That's being the former Cubs. Right. But I mean, I don't think that they have to become I mean, right now they are the 2012 Cubs, but they don't have to be the 2012 Cubs for the next three years to do it, quote unquote, the right way. They just have to make smart investments in the team and i don't think that that means signing old players it means if you're going to sign a free agent sign one that's young that you can grow with that even if you're not as even if you're not a 91 team next year there is something palpable that you're building with that's what i think he's talking about
1: who the hell is doing the drafting over there because you like
2: canter yeah. it's new now
1: i mean how does Jason McLeod, who's now the senior vice president of player personnel, how has he gotten uh, this incredible free pass? Who the hell, how have they not been able, who, who who's, I don't get it. I think you it's go- a fair question. It is. It's not, it's, it's
3: a hundred percent a fair question, right? Like I know he's got this big cachet, and he's obviously done a lot of things well in the past, but the recent track record, like, you know, what have you done for me lately? The, this, the development or lack thereof of pitching is just. Is, is appalling, quite right? frankly. Horrible. That's the nail it's on the appalling. head. The
2: bottom line is they wouldn't be where they are right now if they
3: had developed, if they
2: had developed pitching. Mm-hmm. If they had developed pitching for all the hand-wringing we've made about their offense, it wouldn't matter because they'd still be good enough and their pitching would be good enough to carry them. Instead, they didn't develop pitching, so they signed a 35-year-old person who is averse to life-saving vaccine who absolutely sucked. And then they had to <laughs> knock him out of town to basically save his and ourselves from having to burn our eye sockets out watching this crap every five days. Are
3: the Cubs over the threshold now, by the way? Like, that's something that I haven't heard answered, right? I haven't heard. amazing. Yeah. Because they got rid of all this known people that, uh, almost everyone, right? Sogard's gone. Rizzo's gone. Arietta's gone. Right. Like, Hayward, Hayward's got to be next out. By default, they'd be over the threshold.
1: I bet you, I bet you, they are over the threshold, but they're just keeping it quiet for whatever reason. That's
2: that's
3: possible.
2: It might be. I, I don't see Rossi wearing a mask in the dugout anymore. So
1: there we go. Yeah. De- they they might have detect- gotten there. Detective Burnfield. The,
3: the other difference too from a decade ago, outside of the roster, you're right. The 2012 Cubs. This is what
1: this is like
3: on the field now. But this with the trades, and even where before them, they were just light years ahead of where they were decades ago. So, like making signing thirty-one-year-old Albert Pujols ten years ago, or Prince Fielder at the time, made absolutely zero sense. But that's the kind of thing the Cubs would have done. They would have done absolutely, yes. Yes. and they had nobody even remotely close to the majors that would be like, "All right, we got these guys coming." Now you're like to Jordan's point, like. Go if you find someone that's younger that could be still in their prime or close to by the next time they could potentially be good, you do it. And you at least have guys in your system that it's of high volume that you could be like, hopefully a few of these guys work out. They didn't have that a decade ago. So okay. it's a little bit different.
1: All right. So I'm talking it off the ledge. Yeah, what what I'm getting here is. Standard Beto optimism, which I appreciate right now, by the way. I think uh, Cub fans need Beto on their (laughs) podcast right now. So thank you for being there. Jordan is... I don't even know where you're at here, Burnfield.
2: No, I mean I. I don't think I, obviously watching the current team is a is a don't do waste that. of time. I it's mean, there's terrible. no point. I'm not watching. I'd rather watch
3: Bears minicamp and follow like play by play in Twitter for Justin Fields incompletions and in the in the words of and death is not an option,
2: game, right? Because both <laughs> it's of not are terrible. Uh, right.
3: The Sunday college Yeah, but
2: but I, I will say like I'm not. At this point, I mean, you can't be angry because it's not these players' fault that they're terrible. I mean, you, right. you can't blame Ryan Meisinger that he stinks. Who? Exactly, right? So,
3: like, Seriously, I'm rooting for them to lose. You're, yes. you're actively rooting for them to lose, right? Yes. because they they're, they're at number in six right now. They yeah, they got the swept five. by Kansas City. That was big. That was, was a huge, huge sweep. Massive. Huge sweep. By the way, the Marlins have not won a game since they swept the Cubs. <laughs> yeah. Which hasn't <laughs> yeah. helped. They're the number yeah. five right now. So right. it's just so, like O three 3 L over a and Cubs and my yes. going at it.
2: Yes. I mean, it, to me, the biggest problem with what is going on now is that I do believe that a good organization shouldn't have to do this, but they've done it. Yes. So yeah. what they've done shouldn't have to happen. And we've diagnosed some of the reasons just a few minutes ago about, you know, they didn't develop pitching and this is the position that they're in and all those things. But I do think Beto's right. I mean, they have two top 100 prospects now. Brennan Davis, according to the latest MLB Pipeline, is the number 14 prospect in baseball. I'm not saying that he's going to be a superstar. It doesn't matter whether he is or isn't. They need currency. Now they're starting to get some. By all these trades that they made, they now have a reasonably good system. A lot of players places are saying that they're top 10. So bottoming out to 2012 level might not make sense for them over a three to four year period Because they, at the time they did that, they had nothing. I mean, they're literally nothing. Nothing. Their best prospects were Felix PA four years prior, right? They had no, they had no talent.
3: They had had just bought too. They just traded four of their top 10 before that. And the system was mediocre at best then. Of And they had literally not one person. They had bias. Admittedly.
2: Yes. And admittedly, the system would be better had they not made a couple of trades to elongate this window. Yeah. For instance, had they not traded for Jose Quintana, you'd still have Molloy Jimenez and Dylan C. So things might look different. But the point is, it doesn't have to be 2012. No you, more Donnie Murphy.
1: You you two keep going. I got to go get Poppy the dog. We have an emergency Poppy the dog arrival. So is whatever Poppy you got. Right? T- yeah, yeah. I think she's fine, but I got to go get her. I'll be back in four minutes. So just, you know, amuse yourselves uh, and hopefully it'll be <laughs> podcast worthy.
2: Okay. All right, Beto, let me ask you this. All right. Well, now that that guy's gone. Yeah, well, now the podcast gets immediately better since he's not here.
3: Um, <laughs> the tribe has spoken. And when was
2: the last time you watched three consecutive
3: innings of Cubs baseball? Oh. I a all of every single person that was traded was still on the team, including yes. Jock Peterson, who was the first to go. Yes. So I missed the no-hitter, the combined no-no in L.A., A, because it was late is all hell but B I was actually in Florida. It was at Disney World at the time. Oh yeah, that's right. You were. And before that I had, I don't I literally don't think I've watched three consecutive innings since that point, which is great for people that actually a great admission for someone that hosts the Cubs Weekly podcast.
2: Well I mean this is a this is a waste to watch the current team. I did so I did so I didn't watch most of the no hitter because I had gone to sleep. And at the time you know Matilda was still waking up every few hours. So it's like, you know, sleep is at a premium. You got to go to sleep. They're playing a nine o'clock game in LA. I'm not assuming that Zach Davies is throwing a no hitter. I went to sleep. I remember when I got into bed that night, my dad texted me Davies has a no hitter in the fifth to which I replied, well, he's not throwing one. So I'm going to bed. And then I woke up when Matilda needed to eat and conveniently, she had woken me up basically in the bottom of the eighth. So I'm feeding her. And while she's eating, I get an alert on my phone that the Cubs are throwing a no hitter. So I put the game on my phone to this, like on her nightstand table so that I could see the last three outs while
3: I was feeding her.
2: That's um, good. But so yeah,
3: we but- did the post. You went to bed and actually woke up and found it. Yeah. We're so old because like, so back, like back in like the day, back in my day, we used to love, like at least I did, loved West Coast games because yes. I was like, Great, I have nothing else going on. I could just stay up and watch the game. And now nine PM comes, I'm like, forget it. It's over. Yeah. Like no I, way. It, I count me out. It's like the Bulls circus trips done. Cubs West Coast trips done. I can't I can't do it anymore. I'll Agreed. see the, score the next one. I mean,
2: morning. that's why we don't see Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. I mean, there were I know even last year before having a kid, once in a blue moon, I would come downstairs and I would Flip on the TV and watch Mike Trout or watch Otani, you know, cause they're great. But now I now Matilda sleeps way better. So it's, it's a lot easier to justify staying up a little later, but still like your sleep is at a premium now. So you can't, yeah, yeah. I can't be staying up till midnight watching some Cubs game that is meaningless, especially I, now too. I don't even, this is the first time Beto that I can remember flipping on a game, even for an inning, and basically not knowing who's on the field.
3: Oh, oh, Poppy's back.
2: Oh, Poppy. All see. Right. Well, let's see if Poppy has any takes, because... Yeah,
3: I know, and I agree. I, I I, just don't recall, like, we're going to, five years from now, we're going to look at some of these names and be like, I don't remember that. Like, we're going to be making
2: jokes about Jake Jewell, the way we're making jokes about Nate Shearholtz.
3: Nate Scherlitz, you went with the Donnie Murphy. I respect that. I usually go with the Thomas Diamond. He's kind of my default, it's like <laughs> early 2010s decade Cub yes. starter.
2: Yes.
1: Good old
3: Thomas you Diamond. You missed thank, a lot.
1: Thank you for welcoming me back in here. By the way, a very strange uh, p- uh, situation here is uh, Poppy just miraculously showed up at work, and uh, the dog has been groomed and smells lovely. This What's is, right? is that a I'm nice just bow. On, yeah, on she's Poppy? wearing a bow. She looks uh, very cute. Thank you very much. So. Where did you guys get what came up other than we talked practice.
3: about late night? He's, he asked me the last time I watched three consecutive innings of Cubs baseball. Oh my and God. I was like, it's been act, actual month. months.
1: Do Cub fans who are diehard to Windy City Cubs podcast listeners? Do you think they care about that? Because I feel like we almost owe it to everybody that we should be the ones that are on that wall, no matter what, that we will watch Cubs baseball. So,
3: I don't, no. I, w- I was talking about this the other day. I don't mind them watching losing baseball, but none of, I mean, I don't, I guess I shouldn't make it a blanket statement, but almost all of these guys aren't going to be on the team. Like when they get good again, like if yes. there's like some exciting prospects, like let's say Brennan Davis was up for something, like I would be tuning in, even though the team was terrible. Like we did probably in 2014 when bias came up yes. some of these other guys, but like right now there's just no one. So Speaking I was getting excited about a Greg Dightman at that when he came up for a minute. But I remember amazing.
2: watching Javi Baez' major league debut in Colorado, Colorado, right? Late to watch that game. Yeah, me too. He hit The home run. He was yes. like, wasn't he like zero for five with five strikeouts and then, and hit, the then hit a bomb in extras, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. That's so that, that's what I need. Those cookies. Give me a cookie. Does right anybody know, done. There's no like what,
2: what are you watching right now? I
3: mean, if you were to Ted watch Lasso. right now, yeah, you're just <laughs> watching Ted Lasso, and that's it. I'm catching up on HBO
1: shows. I feel better that we don't have to watch according to everybody on this podcast. I, well, I but... mean,
3: what, what would you like us to break down? Uh, Jake Jewell or uh, <laughs> the only
1: I, I, Dan I, guess... Winkler's gone by the
3: way, your guy, yeah, he's gone. Hurt. See you uh, later.
1: It, it, is Patrick Wisdom legit? You can tell me your thoughts on that, I suppose.
3: I'm I'm interested. I'm interested to see how he does. I think I'd give him a shot.
1: I saw an extensive breakdown where he's laying off the high fastball better. We all see that he still strikes out way too much, but he does have the power. Some of his plays that he makes at third base in the times that I do watch Cubs baseball right now, I'm like, how the hell did that end up in your mitt? But it just did. So I don't know if that's built to last. But I think he'll be here. (laughs) Poppy.
2: Well, Poppy likes Patrick Wisdom. Obviously, is that he's 29, so he's a nice story. Be cool if he won Rookie of the Year, I guess. But you know, like if we're looking at this from the perspective of the next time the Cubs are good, is Patrick Wisdom a starter for that team? Probably no not, chance, right? No so, chance.
1: Yeah. Zero. Well, I can't say no chance because we're going to be good next year. If you listen to, I think you're
2: kind of you... missing that point, Carm, and I'm not trying to be like. No, go ahead. I don't, know that they're, Tell me. I don't know that they're saying necessarily they're going to be quote unquote good. I think what they're saying is there might be free agents to sign that will make us better, that point us in the right direction, that will help us be a better team. Like, I don't think that they're saying we're going to try to win the World Series next year. I think what they're saying is we would be active in free agency if there's someone that helps us for 2022 and for 2026. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, got I, don't, I don't think that they're trying to be false and saying, oh, next year we're going to be good. Just, I think Tom Ricketts is trying to sell that because he's a salesperson and not a baseball executive.
1: I, I think I, Jed I, is being kind of clear about that point. I, I just want them to do not orient to trying to get butts in the seats over trying to build the right product. Listen, if Carlos Correa wants to sign here and the Cubs want to spend on a 27-year-old shortstop who's won a World Series and is very clutch, takes the ball the other way, and uh, is, is a, by all accounts, a pretty significant leader despite all the stuff that went down in Houston, I'm down. I got it. But do, I, I do feel like just a certain sense that they're trying to appease the fan base because they know how much people are spending to go to Wrigley, and they're worried about the bottom line. And that is not the way to do this. Agreed. So, there that's that's I guess that's my biggest concern do yeah. it the right way and let the Cubs way yeah do it the Cubs the Cub way. together just let do, hey <laughs> let hey together. Jed Jed we 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 you've we've saved a ton of money this year the crowds are back we're, we're not worried about Doe going forward here we're not going to buy up all of Southport next go ahead and uh do what you think is right for the ball club with with and give them a budget but just don't be cheap with the budget like that's fine
3: I kind of want him to bring back Southport. Bring back Justin's, maybe Mystic <laughs> Celt. One, two, count. Light drives!
2: Oh, fair by an eye, Foul by an eyelash, and the Cubs can't believe it.
1: I think the Cubs got a terrible break. That looked to me to be a fair ball.
4: This program was recorded on tape for a live audience. Alou thought it was fair. He was hopping and spinning as he came out of the box. No argument though from Dusty. The couple bullpen erupted though. 3-2, runners go. Swing, fly ball down the left field line, but that's going to be caught by Pujols, and the Cubs leave them loaded in the seventh inning. Folks, pandemonium's broken out here at the ballpark. Moises Alou's just been thrown out of this game as he thought that uh, he was robbed of an extra base hit. What precipitated all of this now is Antonio Alfonseca, for some reason, came charging out of the cup bullpen and ran right into the umpire, Justin Clem. He bumped him about 10 feet towards center field. Well,
1: as dumb as the reaction of Antonio Alfonseca yeah, was. Pretty